If you enjoyed podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Beyond the Paper Gown, hosted by Dr. Mitzi Krakover, helps people think critically about women's health issues, encouraging them to question and explore the complexities of healthcare systems, scientific advancements, and societal norms. There's a really cool episode that you should check out called Midday Menopause App. And that's about how AI and sensor technology can provide personalized interventions to manage menopause symptoms effectively. Check out Beyond the Paper Gown on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com. Welcome to the Nurse Wellness Podcast, empowering nurses to manage stressors so they can intentionally reconnect with their purpose, optimize their wellness, and ultimately show up in the world the way they want to be seen. I'm your host, nurse practitioner, Wendy Garvin-Mayo, your stress solution strategist. In this podcast, you'll receive actionable stress management tips, insightful interviews, and strategies that focus on inspiring you to be your best, do your best, and give your best. With that, let's get started. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Nurse Wellness Podcast. I'm your host, Wendy Garbamayo, and today I'm so excited because we're joined by Dr. Lynn Ulchin. Over the past 45 years, Dr. Ulchin has worked in a variety of nursing jobs. Although there have been jobs she didn't like, she has loved every day being a nurse. Dr. Ulchin has been interested and involved in oncology nursing since the beginning. She became interested in palliative care and hospice nursing and attended LNAC training in 2001. She has spent 20 plus years teaching nursing students in the academic setting in Connecticut and Arizona. Currently, Dr. Ulchin lives in Connecticut. She has two grown children, one grandchild and a cat. (laughs) Welcome Dr. Ulchin to the Nurse Wellness Podcast. Well, thank you very much for inviting me. Can we start off by you telling us what inspired your nursing career? Oh, well, all I can say is it's all I've ever wanted to do. Um, I was a candy striper before I was 16 because my parents used to have to drive me to the hospital to volunteer. And um, I applied to one university, got accepted into their nursing program, and the rest is history. I've just always, always, always wanted to be a nurse. That is awesome. And you're currently retired. Is that right? Or are you working per diem? Well, yeah, um, I'm not working per diem. I am working. I I hope to be working next fall at the University of Connecticut in the skills labs for nursing fundamentals, which I just love to do. So, but just one day a week. Okay. Now that's awesome. And when you, when you were working in the clinical setting, how did you manage stress? And I know this was before COVID-19, but how did you manage stress as a clinical nurse? Um, You know, I think forming friendships, supportive friendships was one of the most important things that I, I could do. And if you look at my friends, almost all of them are nurses. And I think that's because we understand the stresses and that when we I want to say bitch and moan to each other, you know, it's, 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 um, it's confidential and, you know, it's not something we would say to the general public. So I think having those supports of friendships and, um, right before COVID, 
maintaining those friendships with time spent together. Maybe it's a happy hour, you know, once every other week, maybe it's going out to dinner or, you know, on Saturday, there are certain friends who are free and we'd go to a museum on Saturday morning and then out to lunch, you know, so, so maintaining friendships, I think was, was the most important thing for me in how I manage stress. And then also on the work side, thinking about, you know, what's important, you know, what is the bottom line? And, um, you know, so sometimes little petty things or, or little, you know, extra assignments that I thought was not appropriate, like really did it matter, you know, so you just kind of shut up and do it and not letting those things kill your spirit and, and focus on that patient outcome or that patient care and the family care um, kind of helped me, you know, deal with managers that I didn't particularly like their style or coworkers who were unhelpful. You know, the bottom line was what's best for that patient. And so I think that's how, you know, I went inside myself and just said, okay, this little piddly stuff isn't going to change how I take care of my patients. Yeah. So it sounds like you were continuously staying in tune with why you were there, right? Focusing on the patient, the caregiver. Absolutely. I think that's awesome that you can do that over the years. I was just talking to one of my other colleagues about, you know, nurses revisiting their purpose. And I think sometimes we could lose focus of that when we're stressed, when we are working in an environment where we don't particularly like the management or leadership, we lose focus of why we're there. So I think um, that's such great advice. You know, and I know this is old fashioned and I'm not a religious person at all, but I truly feel I was called to nursing. Um, I've always felt that. And and that may be why some of these ups and downs have not swayed me from my my mission, I guess, you know, my purpose in, in being a nurse. I totally agree with you because I feel the same way. There's nothing else I would rather do than mm-hmm. be a nurse and not just a nurse, but a nurse with patients. Yes. It's something about being in a room with a patient and caring for that patient one-on-one. Yes. It's so special. It is. Um, so I believe that a nurse, you're a nurse at heart, right? Yes. So even when yeah. you leave the hospital or bedside, you are still a nurse. You just have that innate ability to care for others. So I I totally agree with you on that. Now let's talk about um, nursing in, you know, the age of COVID-19. What are your thoughts on nurses at the bedside during this pandemic? I know you've been watching it on the news um, and you have been attending some, you know, support groups for nurses. Uh, So what are your thoughts on that? I think this is probably one of the hardest times in healthcare and especially for nurses at the bedside. Um, I don't think nurses are often recognized for the amount of work, physical and emotional work that we do. And all of, us, all of a sudden, it seems the general public has started to understand the day-to-day if you didn't have a nurse, you'd be dead. I mean, people are in the hospital because of nursing care, not for physician care or provider care. They're in the hospital for nursing care. Um, and I don't think that that's often understood, uh, that that's why you're in a healthcare setting, you're an inpatient, whether it's rehab, 
um, long-term care, memory care, acute care. It, it's the nursing care that you're in there for. So I think this has probably been one of the most stressful times. And I feel for younger nurses who have not seen um, death occur on the units um, and certainly not one death after another death after another death without time to process that. Um, it doesn't take months to get to know your patient. You know your patient within 10 minutes of walking into that room. You are bonded to them. So that that time frame doesn't matter. So I think a lot of younger nurses are going to, I think a lot of nurses in general, healthcare workers are going to have a post-traumatic stress uh, from all of this. Yeah, no, definitely. And I think you brought up something very important about um, nurses getting recognition now during the pandemic. And I think, you know, they're highlighting, talking about the media, highlighting stress and burnout. But those are things we've been dealing with for years. Absolutely. For Absolutely. years. And now everyone's talking about it like it's a new phenomenon. Yeah. Where it, yeah. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> no, we have always worked short. We have always, you know, done overtime. We have always given up our weekends or an extra shift to cover or, you know, so we have, it's something we have always done. You're right. And the media all of a sudden is like, oh, these nurses are working so hard. And yeah, we've always been doing this. Yes. Yes. And I just believe COVID just amplified, amplified yes. all of that. Right. Yeah. So it, it yeah. amplified stress, it amplified burnout, it amplified, you know, the experience of working late and having, you know, uh, more uh, patients who are acutely ill. So yeah. uh, I want I always highlight that, like, this is not a new thing <laughs> for it's our not. profession. It's definitely not. And you also raised a good point about post-traumatic stress syndrome and younger nurses and even older nurses. I yeah. think just the yeah. rate of, um, you know, deaths in the hospital and the stress of it all, right? Because we come with our personal stressors. It's not just when we're on the unit, it's what's going on at home, what's going on with our kids, our husbands, and, you know. Yeah, that That's a really good point. Um, I was driving down um, a road with a, a good friend of mine and, you know, he's got family problems. I've got family issues and, you know, we're bemoaning that fact, but then we're thinking, you know, we're really blessed. We've got roofs over our heads, you know, food on the table, et cetera. And, you know, we looked out at the other cars and he said, every single car, somebody is under a lot of stress that we don't know about, but, you know, cause somebody would look at us and say, oh, look at that nice cup looking couple, you know, oh, they're out for a drive on Friday afternoon. What problems would they have? You know, you know but you realize that everybody's got that personal stress that they bring to their work setting. I mean, yeah, you try to, but it's always there. It's always there and everybody has it. No, absolutely. And I think you brought up something earlier about um, the importance of community in the workplace. So it's important that we ask questions, especially during this time of COVID. How are our colleagues doing, right? So ask the questions, what are they going yeah. through? Because as you know, suicide is high, high oh. in our profession now too, right? Right, which is so sad. I mean, yeah. so sad. Yeah, and what I like to tell people Nurses are people. So we have depression, we have anxiety, right? We have suicidal ideation. 
We yeah. have high blood pressure. We have, you know, arthritis. Right. <laughs> you know? Everything. Yeah. It, it, right. Because it, it's not like you were angels either. You know, right. I mean, got issues and divorce courts and kids who were in the hospital and everything. Yeah. We're just people. Right. But we show up. Yes. We still show up to care for our patients and, you know, care for our colleagues. So right. I, I like to keep that uh, in the forefront because I think when people see us or they think of nurses, they think of, you know, we are superheroes. Yeah, Yes, we are superheroes, but. <laughs> well, you know, but, we do things that the normal person wouldn't even do for their partner, you know, their intimate right. partner. I mean, we're in there up to our elbows in things that people don't do for each other and we just do it. I mean, absolutely. We are, we do it without thinking. Absolutely. And that's that heart work that we do, right? That that nurse being a nurse um, at heart. So it, it really empowers us to do things that you wouldn't even think of doing, right? right. But if someone needs it, then you, you know, just and do I, it. Yeah. And I have stories of even working in the ER, taking care of, you know, a homeless man. I'll just tell you the story really quick. Yeah. Um, homeless man came in, lived under a bridge and we took off his boot and his foot was, it had all this dirt but it was like a cast. But I took that, the dirt off, the sock off and cleaned that man's feet like never before. Not even thinking about what I'm doing, who he is. It was just so fulfilling. And he was just so happy that someone cared that much to take the time to clean his feet, you know? Because you just did it. It's part of who you are. It's part of what we do. You know, and that's, I don't know how I can separate me from the nurse. I am. I am, you know, and I think sounds like you are too in that way. It's just, that's the way you are and it, you do it without, yeah, you, you, it doesn't matter. Homeless lives in a mansion. Absolutely. What color, what religion, where they're from, uh, their criminal background, you just do it. Yeah. And talking to nursing students, that's what I always say. Nursing is a job of the heart. You can't do it for money. You can't do it for fame because when you're in there, <laughs> you're, you're in there, right? <laughs> so, um, so, so kind of talking about PTSD and, you know, post COVID, what do you think institutions can do to really support nurses? Now I'm a big advocate for wellness programs and initiatives, right, that institutions can implement for nurses. But of course, there's a cost associated with that. Can you talk to us a little bit about your thoughts on that? Yeah, um, I have several thoughts uh, about that. First of all, um, you know, know, what is wellness? You know, it's certainly not the absence of disease, but it's a feeling of well-being, I guess, you know, mental and physical well-being. So that's different for all of us. You know, I said my goal for for April was to walk 30 miles. And I had a girlfriend who looked at me like I was crazy. And she said, well, that's what I walk in a week. Well, her wellness is different than my wellness. Right. I'm just trying to get moving. Um, you know, so, so first of all, you know, what would appeal to you as a wellness program might be different than what appeals to me as a wellness program. Um, you know, and and to just offer like, you know, a gym membership or, you know, Weight Watchers. I mean, those are all wonderful things, but they may not appeal. I mean, a gym membership is like, oh, really? Not for me. Because remember, 10 miles is like 
a lot for me. So, <laughs> but but some people might appreciate that. So you know, it might be that hospitals or healthcare systems can have like a, a, a buffet, and you know, I'll take this year. I want that gym membership reduction or or whatever. This year, I want Weight Watchers. You know, somebody wants a Weight Watchers um, being able to join. You know, without paying for it. It might be that I want two extra days of mental health that I can schedule, that I don't have to call in sick and leave my coworkers short because I'm ready to jump out the window. I can take a mental health day, you know, as an extra day and plan it like next Monday. I'd like to have, you know, Monday off so I can attend to my own self. But those things are all expensive gym memberships, Weight Watchers, an extra day off is expensive. And I guess part of me thinks, you know, and some of that already exists, but the the bottom line is um, nurses do not bring in income. You know, we use use that income. Um, I was reading something online and I don't have access to an academic um, library right now. So I was just kind of cruising the um, different websites this past week. And, you know, one article was um, RN labor costs make up 25% of all hospital expenditures annually. We're an expense. Now, granted, this was 10 years ago, so I don't really know what the current percentage is. But when you consider salaries and benefits, yeah, you know, that's, that's a lot. For, for an expenditure when we are not generating resources for that hospital as a staff nurse. So where does that hospital system, whether they're for-profit or not for-profit, you know, where does that money come from? Yeah, you bring up two really good points. I think one is making sure nurses are at the table when decisions are being made about wellness and initiatives and what they want. Yes. And not assuming that it is a gym membership or Weight Watchers or what have you. So I think that's first and foremost, nurses need to be at the table when those decisions are being made. The second thing is nurses, I feel like we need to advocate for ourselves, right? The community you talked about before coming together, but how do we advocate so we can you know, let leadership know, one, what we need, two, regardless who's paying for it, because like you said, we, people come to the hospital for us, right? We yes. are with them from the beginning, they enter the ER to discharge, yep. and even when they go to long-term care. And, and on, yes. Right. Yes. We are with them. So, you know, what, how can they give back to us? So we, we need, need to advocate for that opposed to, like you said, bitching and moaning <laughs> about what we don't have. Like, how can we come together and really utilize our powers to um, implement things that we need? And another thing you said that really uh, jumped out to me is taking a day off, but without feeling guilty. Because yes. many times, you know, that hard work we we're talking about, we feel guilty calling out, yes. not only for the patients, but our colleagues. Right. Because right. we don't normalize that. We don't normalize taking a mental health day. You know, right. I mean, and, you know, we're given really minimal vacation time. And and in that vacation, you know, PTO, paid time off, 
You've got to get all your doctor's appointments, all, all your own wellness, your mammogram, your colonoscopy, you know, all of that done. And the colonoscopy is two days off, you know, so there's two days of vacation time that's gone while you're not having fun. Um, so, and you're right. How many times have you not really felt a hundred percent, but you go into work because you don't want to leave everybody short, you know, and you don't want people to say, oh, she's, it's another Monday. She's calling off, you know, kind of thing. I think we have a tendency to go in when, when we're exhausted, when we're not a hundred percent feeling well, whether it's menstrual cramps or, you know, you, you had the little food poisoning last night from that sushi, but you know, it's all pooped out and okay, I'm going to go in, you know, I, but we do that. And, and I, you know, because we know that if the unit runs short, then really the patients suffer, you know, and it's not fair to your, to your coworkers and certainly not fair to the patients, but we, yeah, I think having more time off to be able to use, or I don't know. I mean, to me, that would be a bonus to have a day that I could just say, I can't come in next, next Tuesday, or <clears throat> I'm going to take right. And not be scorned. Like you're, you're leaving us high and dry. And again, I don't know how that works. I don't know what the balance is, but, but I think our, our paid time off is minimal, minimal. Yes, I have definitely showed up at work not feeling well. And, oh, you know, being well, home, yeah. like I shouldn't go, I don't feel well, but I have to, feeling an obligation to go. Right. And now I think, you know, we're talking about self-care and wellness, but it's really important for nurses to take a step back to really figure out what they need and honor self. Yeah. You can't function and really pour out effectively if you were not, you know, well yourself. So I think it's something we are trying to, really highlight for nurses and healthcare professionals that it's important to take care of yourself. Like you said, you know, your walk. So what do you need (laughs) in implementing that? So you can sustain yourself, right? Because when you're gone, someone else will be there. So we we really have to slow down and honor ourselves. Well, you know, and the other thing is that, you know, you say, you know, when I'm gone, when I'm on leave or or vacation, someone else is there. and, And that's true. But I, you know, historically, we have not been overstaffed. I mean, we are not overstaffed. And sometimes I think, you know, just one more RN on a shift could alleviate some of the stress and the, and that mental stress so that we wouldn't feel like tearing our hair out or changing jobs on a more frequent basis, because you always think the other hospital, you know, the grass is greener on the other side. So of course that other hospital is gonna treat me better than I'm being treated now. Um, So I think sometimes um, that, and especially for-profit hospitals, uh, their patient, their RN per patient bed is lower than non-for-profit or government hospitals, at least in the reading that I've I've been doing. Oh, wow. Um, you know, and other nursing personnel is less in a for-profit than it is for a non-profit or government hospital. You know, and sometimes I think some of the stress could be alleviated if we had better staffing. Yeah. When you're talking about the staffing and stress, it makes me think about the nurses who are leaving the profession. 
Yeah. And tapping into various roles or starting their own business or going into insurance. So leaving yeah. the bedside where, which leaves us, you know, shorter, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> as the, as the demand is going up because of our aging population, mm -hmm. you know, we've got people leaving, not only are they retiring um, as, as appropriate, but you've got younger nurses who come in and within five years, they're like, whoa, wait a minute, this is just too much. You know, it's just not what I bargained for. Um, and especially if they're a new nurse during COVID, whew, I can't even imagine how they're feeling. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I totally agree with you. So what are your thoughts on what nurses can do um, at a local level, at their hospital, at their institution to help with this issue of shortage, wellness, stress, what, what, what can we do? What are some suggestions you have for, for nurses out there listening? Well, you know, I do think, and again, this is a time constraint issue, but a journal club on each individual unit um, and to look at research about stress, about staffing and, and, you know, RN to patient ratios. I mean, there is some research out there and you know, the nurse manager or the clinical nurse specialist or whoever can pull that together, you know, that that's one avenue of just informing the staff about what's going, you know, what research is out there and what it says. So then you're going, you know, you're stepping from like the nurse manager or the, clin or the, the um, clinical nurse specialist or clinical educator for that, those units, you know, and so you're taking it down, you know, into the trenches but it also has to go up, you know, because those are the people in, in upper management who are going to be making those decisions. But, you know, if your nurse manager is not on board, you know, if, if he or she doesn't see the need for, you know, better staffing or more time off or gym memberships or whatever it is that her staff have, have um, talked about, you know, it's meaningless. It's a waste of time, you know, so you've got to have buy-in from the main players about what's important and, you know, and what can we let slide, you know, staffing and stress management is essential, you know, and maybe it's seasoned nurses being mentors, you know, uh, not, not necessarily on the same unit either, because sometimes you can't talk, you don't want to talk to someone who's above you, who's, who's like orienting you because like you're ready to tear your hair out because it's not what you learned in nursing school, but it's the way she does or he or she does something, you know, so maybe, um, you know, mentorship from different unit, you know, unit to unit kind of thing, just to vent, just to say, how are you doing? What's going on with you? You know, are you taking care of yourself? What are you doing for fun when you leave your shift, you know, on your days off, what are you doing? Are you sleeping all day or are you out playing, doing your grocery shopping? Are you going to the movies? Whatever, whatever, you know, and encouraging that self-care from the get-go. Um, I think student nurses too need to be encouraged to take, to take care of themselves, uh, to do things that they find satisfying and fun. Even when they're in nursing school and they think they don't have a minute to breathe, they need to take time for themselves and they need to be encouraged to do that so that that's a routine that they're used to 
And that doesn't mean that I don't work Friday nights because I go to bingo, which I've heard happened in an interview. <laughs> you know, that's not exactly what I mean, you know, by taking care of yourself. You know, so I, I think, you know, and you have to have buy-in. I mean, you have to have buy-in from staff who says, yeah, we can change this. You know, instead of, oh, this is never going to happen. We're always going to be like this. It's always been like this. You know, you have to have staff who's willing to say, yeah, but, you know, if we if we all come together and ask for this, you know, we might get it. You know, it's possible and we can show them the documentation. We can you have to have buy in from everyone that this is a useful use of our time to look at. What do we want? What is the, the staff needs? What are, what are the, the needs? What would make us feel more confident and competent in our role? Yeah, and two, two, two things that you said. One is buy-in. So there is research out there that stress and burnout lead to issues with patient safety. Yeah. And I think yeah. any healthcare institution, that should definitely make your ears perk up. That right. burnout and stress lead to, you know, patients yeah. not being safe. Right. Also leads to decreased quality of life of staff yes. and yeah. patients. Yeah. So our surveys, looking at you know the the surveys that um, we do press press Ganey scales, yeah. Yeah. you know those yeah. will definitely be impacted by stress and burnout. So those are the things we need to be bringing to the forefront to leadership. Yeah. To really, you know, show them that this is why we need X, Y, or Z in place so we can um, function better as, as nurses. You know, and maybe it's something as simple as 60 minute lunches instead of 30 minute lunches, because a 30 minute lunch, you can't do it. You know, you, you shove food down you, or you run to the cafeteria and run back. And by that time, your 30 minutes is done. You know, there's no time to go outside and take a walk and eat. Well, that's even if you're taking a break. Right. Well, that's true. I, well, but, you know, yeah. <laughs> that's a whole nother story. Yeah, it is a whole nother story. It Sometimes we're not even story. going to the bathroom. We're not going to the bathroom. We're not eating. We're not drinking. Right. I mean. Right. And, and that's that, right. That's a whole nother thing. And that's not self-care, you know, not eating lunch, not using the bathroom. You're sabotaging yourself. Absolutely. And so, we have to somehow get it through our heads that taking a lunch break is not anything unusual. You know, we should all be getting a lunch break. And I'm all for the 60 minute, but because it's a 30 minute unpaid lunch break. So they'd be paying you for 30 minutes of your time. I think that's worth it so that you can take a walk around the block or sit and meditate, or sit in a room and and do some yoga stretches, you know, or call your mom, elderly mom, you know, and say, you know, I'll be able to touch base with you in the middle of the day, or the babysitter, you know, to relieve your mind. And so that you're not in the back room trying to, you know, whisper, mom, are you okay? You know, but again, it's every unit's got to decide, but, but we perpetuate that it's like I was reading somewhere, it's like like a badge of honor, like pat yourself on the back. You didn't need to eat today. You didn't use the bathroom today. Ooh, I am woman. You know, it's like, no, you need to take care of yourself so that 
when you get home, you don't fall from the shower into the bed, you know, that that you're able to enjoy your family or your friends or just take your dog for a walk and, and not, you know, feel so tired because you haven't eaten all day. You haven't had any fluids for most of the day. You might have had a cup of coffee, you know, two, three, four cups of coffee, but that's it. You know, so you go home feeling dog tired and stressed. It's not a badge of courage to say, I didn't get lunch today. No, that is so true. And I think you and I had a conversation about just nurses, right? So that's normal. We normalize stress. We normalize not eating. We normalize taking on eight patients. You know, it's like, oh, I did it, right? We normalize that. So we have to really break that habit and really tune into ourselves. So I always think about honoring yourself, right? You honor the patient, you honor you know, your coworkers, when do you honor yourself? When you advocate for yourself, I need a break. I need to use the bathroom. Yes. I yeah. You have some water that's honoring yeah. yourself. Yes, it is. And we don't do that, you know, and, and it's the same way with taking, you know, two more patients than you're normally assigned. That's not safe. It's not safe for you. And it's certainly not safe for your patient, but what do we do? Yeah. Oh, pat yourself on the back. You took eight patients today and an admission and a discharge and a, you know, fresh post-op and your blood was running. And, uh, you know, how, how good was your care? How good was your attention to detail when you're stretched so thin? So is that, that's not something to be proud of. I mean, in an emergency, absolutely. On a, on a, on a day-to-day basis, absolutely not. It's just not it's not safe. It's not safe. And I also think when it happens, we need to go back and really unpack what happened. Cause sometimes we take on the eight patients. We don't get lunch. We don't use the bathroom. We don't drink. And we come in the next day and it, like you said, we're patting ourselves on the back, but we never talk about it Yeah, in a constructive way of how can we prevent this from happening again? Yes. Yeah. Why did this occur? What happened? And Right. How can we prevent that? I mean, where's the float pool? You know, where's, you know, where's the, the nursing super, where's your nurse manager advocating for you? Where is the, the supervisor who's making all these assignments and knows that, you know, unit A has an extra staff member? You know, right. Where was the failure to communicate and again, emer- there's always emergencies. You have to bend over backwards and you do what you do. But right, we've made it such a routine event that we just don't think about it. And, and it's except to grumble about it at the end of the day. And then the bottom line is, did you clock out on time? Right. <laughs> because when you don't, I'm sure they will bring you into the office to unpack that. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Oh yeah. You know, and I, you know, as a per diem, I used to like, you know, it took me longer to do stuff. And I, you know, it was like, Lynn, you can't be clocking out 20 minutes late. I'm like, okay, I'll do my best. But, you know, to me, it was worth that 20 minutes. I don't, don't don't pay me, you know, that's fine. But yeah. So anyways, that's, but yeah, you're right. You got to clock out on time. You got to clock in on time, clock out on time. And if you don't, you're disciplined for, for being late a few, you know, three minutes or five minutes, whatever it is and going over, you're disciplined for that. 
but nobody's, you know, and, and now you have to attest that you got a lunch break or not, at least my last job. Well, all hell breaks loose when you didn't take it. Why not? That's unpacked. But because then they have to pay you those 30 minutes. Oh. Yeah, they have to pay you. If you say I did, if you say I did not get a lunch break, they have to pay you for those 30 minutes because you were working, you know, so we got in trouble if we did, if we clicked that and didn't take a lunch break. Well, I'm on the phone. I'm on this. Well, couldn't one of the medical assistants have done that? Well, no, they can't do pre-op teaching. No, they can't do triage, you know, lie and say, oh yeah, I took a break, even though it was just 15 minutes at my desk, which is awful. Yeah. And one thing I like to, you know, remind nurses is that we are so powerful. We have so many other specialties, characteristics, abilities that we can bring to our job, whether it's leadership skills, whether Mm -hmm. it's time management skills, well, we have to share, right? So in advocating for ourselves and our tribe, as I like to call it, you know, our other nurses, tap into those. Don't just take it, right? If you have a better idea on how things can be done, if you have a streamlined process, if you have suggestions or you've done something before that showed a positive result, share that. That's the innovation, you know, of, of healthcare and what we do. Um, so I think, I, yeah, I think that's important, Wendy. And I think, I think people are hesitant, not only nurses, but, but in general, in, in many jobs are hesitant to say, hey, have you ever thought of doing it this way? Or, you know, I tried this and this worked because people will say, well, that's not the way I do it you know, or we've always done it this way. So yeah, you do what you want, but you know, I'm always, I, this is the way I've, you know, so I think there's pushback from seasoned people, you know, that people have to be open to, to change. Change is really scary. So I might say, gee, you never, ever, you know, nope, nope, nope. Have, no, don't like that. So I'm shot down. So do you think I'm going to try again and again and again? And, you know, so, I mean, you have to be really brave to share those things. And, and we have to be accepting of at least listening to our colleagues. No, absolutely. And, and I think leaders, nursing leaders come into play because a good leader, you empower your people to be innovative, to be part of the solution. So our nursing leaders who are listening, we want to empower those nurses on the floor. And I call it the added value, tap into their added value and mm-hmm. see how that can really positively impact the environment, especially during this time while everyone is under stress. Anything, anything that someone's doing that's helping, we should be able to one, at least listen to, two, possibly try, right? Yeah. And three, evaluate those outcomes. And four, maybe it can be a standing SOP or way we do things. Mm -hmm. So I think that is very important as leaders. We need to empower our nurses who are brilliant and come with so much experience, not just nursing experience, but life experience, smart women and men. Absolutely. Totally agree with that. Um, Lynn, you also said something else I wanted to hone in on. We talked about our nursing students. I have been an advocate of us really incorporating stress management resilience and self-care 
into the nursing curriculum. What are your thoughts on that? <laughs> I think it's valuable. I don't know where, it, you know, just off the top of my head, it kind of fits in every course, which means it's going to get lost. And then I think, I, I know what other people are going to say, like, oh my God, one more thing to add to the nursing curriculum. You know, when really it's not adding, it's just, you know, in, it's more informing. I mean, I've seen, you know, instructors in, you know, large classrooms walk in and say, okay, we're going to take, you know, three deep breaths and she has quiet and everybody, you know, and kind of centers themselves for the class. That's great, but you've got to have either people be quiet and just sit there. Hopefully they'll participate. You don't have to, but at least honor everybody else and, and just be quiet for a minute while this is going on. So you've got to have, again, you've got to have that buy-in to, to have it hopefully be successful. You know, so I've seen, you know, I've heard of, of uh, professors doing something like that. Um, I encourage when I have clinical, when I have um, skills labs and, you know, I've got eight or 16 students in, in a lab, you know, I try to end the session by saying, you know, I want you all to go out and, and have fun, you know, do something fun this week, you know, and, and then try and ask some people the next week, well, what did you do for fun? And when one fellow said, well, I guess the only thing I did was I did go home, you know, to see my folks and I got to play with my dog. I said, fun, I, you know, you got to relax, you got a home cooked meal, you got loving from your dog, perfect. I mean, you don't have to go to a circus or, you know, a movie marathon to have fun. You know, it can be just that simple, you know, and once they start understanding that it doesn't have to be a monumental, you know, I went for a walk, you know, with my, with my roommate the other day, you know, we walked around campus and looked at the lakes and, you know, or yeah, you know, I went and, and called, you know, my grandma and, you know, got caught up with her and grandpa, you know, those kinds of fun things that are, don't have to take a whole day to do. I wish we could, and, and I do think that that it's being realized now because of the COVID stress and strain. These nurses, I mean, right, it's not new, but all of a sudden it's in the forefront of how do we take care of ourselves so that we can get through this kind of uh, world crisis. And that's what it is. It's been a crisis in of, of magnitude that you know, we have not seen in most of our lifetimes. And I also think, you know, having something like self-care, stress management, resilience in the curriculum, like you're saying, it, it's small things. So taking a deep breath. But I mean, if in each, you know, course, they're telling you something, something. right? a little bit of time, whether to take a deep breath or uh, just sit quiet or, or visualize something, I think it's important. And I would love to see research if that was implemented in the academic setting, how do those nurses handle stress in the clinical setting? Right. What's the follow through from that? Are they better prepared right. to t do self-care um, in the in the real world? Yeah, that would be really interesting to know whether they're attuned to you know themselves better of like when do I need some help? And and that would be really interesting. Yeah, because there's a lot of research that we we all know, you know, nursing school itself is stressful. Oh, my gosh. Yes. So 
sole benefit from currently, right? You know, and going through the program and maybe even increased success rates of people finishing because many people start nursing and they just can't finish because the curriculum is so rigorous, right? Right, right. Stress management may help with that, but also, you know, going into the nursing field that is stressful, but more stressful, right? Because we're in the midst of a, a pandemic, but it can help them there. So I think it's something that, um, I hope they're talking about in the academic setting. You know, that's really one, one what you make me think about, it's a life skill. I mean, you know, it really is a life skill. And while, yeah, teaching it to, to nurses, uh, to nursing students is beneficial, really everybody in high school should be taught this kind of stuff, you know, yeah. and so we're kind of late to the show here, but I still think it's very worthwhile, um, especially in, in caring professions, to know how to care for yourself as well. Because I think sometimes we just, right, we go in when we don't feel good. We, you know, we go in when we're exhausted. You, you know, we pat ourselves on the back for not taking a lunch break. You know, so we need to recognize that taking care of ourselves isn't always going on a week's vacation. It's the everyday things that we do. We eat well, we hydrate, we walk a mile a day, you know, whatever it is, those things, you know, we take our dog for a walk, we cuddle with our kittens, you know, whatever, that those things can help maintain us through these excessively stressful times and the normal stress that occurs with being an adult. No, absolutely. And, you know, during the last nurse wellness workshop, we had breakout rooms. And the question was, who taught you about stress management? And it's not something that's taught. <laughs> no, 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 not, not, I don't think not in school. It's not, you know, I think you may pick up a book at the bookstore um, by word of mouth, you know, you kind of know that exercise is good for you, but yeah, that's self it's really like a self-learning and, and what we do, they do in grade school for stress yeah. management. <laughs> yeah. And we start to adopt things that, you know, our parents did or how they manage yes. stress which yes. may not always be the you're best, right. but it's something that I think, you know, like you're saying, we need to start early, like really teaching our kids the importance of self-care and stress management. Yeah. Um, before we wrap up, Lynn, I would love to take you through a rapid fire. Is that okay? Sure. Go right ahead. Awesome. This has been great. Thank you so much for your time today. Oh, well, you're more than welcome. All right. So let us know the first thing that comes to your mind to finish these sentences. Okay. Wellness means? Being healthy as defined by me. I know I'm stressed when? I start eating for no reason. <laughs> My go-to stress management solution is? Boy, um, food. Food. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's embarrassing. No, no, not at all. I mean, stress is associated with um, increased appetite. Yes. Sure. Uh-huh. <laughs> the last time I had a belly laugh was? Oh, this morning. <laughs> Can you share? <laughs> um, well, the guy I'm seeing, I went to visit and I left some articles of clothing there, uh, several by mistake because they were like in the laundry basket and I didn't pack them with me. So he did the laundry and found these articles of clothing 
And today he was going out running and pulled open his drawer and there was this article of clothing of mine. So he took a picture of it and said, woohoo, you know, look what I found. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, yeah. I laugh. I laugh every day. It's the one of the, yeah, I guess that's my, one of my best stress relievers is I love to laugh. I mean, it's just because things are just hysterically funny because sometimes if you don't laugh, you cry, you know, I mean, it's just, it's just, things are screwy, you know? Absolutely. And stress is, I mean, laughing is a good stress reliever too. So yeah. And that can be a whole nother episode, leaving article of clothing. (laughs) (laughs) We'll have to talk about that another time. And I will never divulge what article you found. <laughs> and our last question, well, our last statement is, one thing I have learned about myself during the COVID-19 pandemic is? That I really am self-sufficient. Mm, love it, love it. You know, it, yeah. Awesome, yeah. awesome. Well, thank you so much, Lynn, for your time. Really appreciate you being Anytime, here. Anytime, Wendy. We can bring you back again. That'd be wonderful. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and tell a friend. And I would love to share a seven-day mindfulness ebook with you. Go to stressblueprint.com backslash 35. That is stressblueprint.com backslash 35 and download a free copy. Until next time, Go out and be your best, do your best, and give your best. If you enjoyed podcasts like this, you should check out our other shows on Health Podcast Network. For example, Beyond the Paper Gown, hosted by Dr. Mitzi Krakover, helps people think critically about women's health issues, encouraging them to question and explore the complexities of healthcare systems, scientific advancements, and societal norms. There's a really cool episode that you should check out called Midday Menopause App. And that's about how AI and sensor technology can provide personalized interventions to manage menopause symptoms effectively. Check out Beyond the Paper Gown on your favorite podcast platform or visit healthpodcastnetwork.com.